Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility the around the nfl podcast is really into coffee and danishes welcome back to another edition of the around the nfl podcast my name is dan hansis and i am joined by a room filled with some heroes mark sessler and chris wessling what's up boys hey dan championship sunday in the books boys and it uh my goodness, it, it followed a theme that has taken us through uh, the playoffs. Uh, uh, here's a quick nugget from NFL Media Research. The last time before today that both conference championship games were decided by at least 19 points was the 1978 season, which was a very long time ago, boys. Uh, you want another fact? This one, the old Zeuser took Please. out the old calculator. I uh, All 10 of the games that have been played in the postseason this year, Average margin of victory in the playoffs, 15.7 points. Take out the Green Bay, Dallas, and Pittsburgh, Kansas City games, the only games that had fourth quarters that were there was some juice. There's that number again, 19 points. I'm, I'm To begin with, margin I'm stunned that you did that amount of mathematical work, even with a right. calculator. Oh, it's okay. But it was basic. I added 10 things, and then it divided by 10. That's how you do it. I think, I think you might have nailed it. Where I might have gotten in trouble is when I pulled out those two games, I had to pull out the, the – Margin, which is two and three, and then take out two from the ten to make it probably botch that. Let's just be honest. But well, you ballpark. You get the the yeah. basic point that we have not been treated to good games, and we weren't today. But you know, let's be fair. Congratulations to both the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, it pains me to say this, but the New England Patriots, uh, who both uh, advanced to Super Bowl Fifty One uh, in Houston two weeks from today with convincing wins. Uh, the Falcons laying the wood on the Green Bay Packers and the Patriots easing past the Steelers. So you have your uh, uh, the first time we've ever seen these teams play in the Super Bowl, which, uh, you know, the Patriots are very familiar by now in this game. Mark, we've been working here. This is our seventh season, and the third time we'll be traveling to cover the Super Bowl where the, the Pats are around. First time for the Falcons, Wes, a man of history since the 1998 season. So that's 19 years ago. 
Yeah, I think this is going to be – here's a number that I that I thought was funny. It doesn't sound like a huge number at first. Tom Brady will be under center, under center in 14% of all Super Bowls in history. <laughs> Which is when you it, it, – 14% does not sound that's like wild. a huge number. But oh, it yeah, does. Wait, when you add up Started everything that's happened, that January is ridiculous. of 67. Uh, yeah, so Brady is – uh, you know, the one constant in this millennium, it seems like, it, whether it's the conference title game or making to the Super Bowl. So we'll see him again. And uh, a lot of the familiar storylines that we've been uh, hearing about all year will now come to the surface with uh, uh, whether it's his his attempt to become the first quarterback ever to claim five Super Bowl titles. Uh, Deflategate finally kind of coming to a close in a way with with the Patriots having a chance to win the Super Bowl in the year that Brady was suspended for uh, his Alleged, Wes. I want to make sure you, so you don't get too upset. Roll in the deflation of footballs about seven years ago in an, a, another AFC title game. Well, you know, I've been on this Falcons team all year, but there's nothing that will make me happier in two weeks than watching the commissioner hand the Lombardi Trophy to Tom Brady. Well, we'll see if that happens. <laughs> uh, but we got some business to take care of here in today's show. What we do every Sunday. This is our final. Um, Sunday night show from the podcast studio. Uh, we've done what? This is the twentieth of the season, something like that. That's and, that's correct. Uh, you know, uh, we will be in Houston next week. We got a couple more shows here from California, uh, but we have the games to talk about now. And of course, this podcast is sponsored by Mr. Flames Economics Class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F. And uh, Wes, we we have a gift from uh, Mr. F. Uh, do you want to explain to the audience what I'm holding in my left hand right now? This is a bottle of single malt scotch whiskey from Oban, which apparently is about the best best whiskey you can get, best scotch. And I had several people reach out on Twitter and say, do not dare put that over ice. You might put a few drops of water in it, but you don't want to dilute it. You don't need it. They said, I mean, it it was amazing, the response. Obviously, we've got some of the people that listen to the show – are well-versed uh, in alcohol and liquor, and they gave us, well, they gave Mr. F quite a nod for sending that along. Classic he, malts of Scotland, the, the manufacturer, aged 14 years. 14 years. Delivered uh, on a commercial break in the second quarter of the game. Mr. F, quite a guy. Here's a little note he sent, too. Happy Championship Weekend, heroes. You are in the Super Bowl of podcasts. Oh, that's nice. This is what I drank on our walk in Scotland. Lift a dram with me after the games. All the best, Mike Flame. I like the idea of uh, Mr. F getting ripped to the tits walking through the countryside. Well, I think he is probably much more of a slugging straight out of the bottle. I think he's a sophisticated drinker that probably stops by like at the bottom of a ski hill and has a nice glass of whiskey before continuing his hike. Fourteen what? years ago, where were you, Mark? Uh, that'd be two thousand three. Uh, well, it was not a great period for me. I will say this: I was trapped in uh, a incredibly hot uh, town of Phoenix, Arizona. And not sure what my next move was. Mm. Wes, you were at the law firm, correct? I was at the law firm probably on my third or fourth college playing softball four or five nights a week <laughs> and getting all sassed up every night. Very little has changed. I was a part-time uh, news reporter covering the swimming and diving championships of Rockland County. <laughs> Sydney, where were you in 2003? Oh, about in the third grade, third, fourth grade. <laughs> She's just a kid, folks. <laughs> She's just a kid. All right. Let's start, folks. Uh, with the game played at the Georgia Dome, the final NFL game played at the Georgia Dome, and they sent out the building a big winner. 
Matt in the gun on the near hash mark. Takes a snap. Play fake to Freeman. Ryan wants to throw. Jones the catch. Look Morty. out. Flag down. Midfield. Julio into Green Bay territory. A stiff arm at the 15. 10. 5. Touchdown Atlanta. A crossing route to Julio Jones for 73 yards. That's Wes Durham of WZGC. Julio Jones' 73-yard touchdown in the third quarter served as the knockout punch for the Atlanta Falcons, who piled up nearly 500 yards of total offense. What else is new? In a 44-21 win over the Green Bay Packers. Oh, we got a lockup. Who got it? Oh, a double lock. A couple of people did. Oh, no. You know, I was thinking about this. I don't know why I did this, because I definitely felt more strong about the Patriots, who I picked, but I think... We'll get to it. But I wanted to be on the, the, the magic carpet ride with Aaron Rodgers and have fun rooting for him. Sure. But it was not a good decision. Matt Ryan, brilliant again, throwing for 392 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Jones, Jones finished with 180, uh, nine catches, two scores. And uh, West, the Packers were simply outclassed by Atlanta's attack, which is making a loud case now to be recognized as one of the NFL's all-time best offenses. That's going to be a big talking point for the next two weeks. It has to be. Speaking of talking points, everybody wanted to talk about the Packers heading into this game. They wanted to talk about the Packers for three quarters of this game. The story of this game is the same story it's been for four months. The Falcons are flirting with juggernauts, juggernaut status on offense, and it's fun to watch a play caller like Kyle Shanahan using a guy like Matt Ryan, who does not get enough credit for his pocket movement and ball placement, which were on point Sunday, and Julio Jones, who not only shows the total package, the run-after-catch 73-yard touchdown breaking tackles, the balletic uh, toe-tapper in the end zone for a touchdown, the ass-over-tea-kettle flip, flip and catch over the middle. What was that? Tail over tea kettle. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the sliding third-down conversion on the opening drive to go eight straight uh, consecutive games with an opening drive touchdown. The way they use all of these elements, and you can see it all working together, it's so hard to stop these guys. I, I couldn't agree more. And the the Packers, I can understand, Dan, Dan, why you would have picked this as a potential hero pick because the Packers sort of felt like a team of destiny. But I think the Falcons have just been overlooked by a lot of people, frankly. And this game, for the casual fan, was an utter wake-up call to what the Falcons have been, not just in the playoffs, but going back months. And what I loved about this game, and Connor Orr, who wrote up the What We Learned on this, did an excellent job of describing coming out of halftime if the Green Bay Packers were going to find their way back into this. They're dangerous enough to think there was enough time for them to come back and even the score, maybe turn the thing around, that right away Atlanta's defense squeezed them with a three and out, and he talked about the look to Dan Quinn, the look on his face, a smile that said, this half's going to be like the last half. The Falcons, after scoring just before halftime, scored three more touchdowns in the second half before finishing the game with a meaningless punt. I mean, they are one of these teams that know how to lay a hurt on you and not let go. It was a fascinating game. It was not the boring game that we got later. There were elements where this team is fun to watch. I, I was wildly disappointed in this game, to be honest with you. I, I guess it was a better game from a watch you know watchability standpoint than the late game, but the fact that the Packers, and it really it is, it's a testament to how good Atlanta really is, and they've now won eight straight games. Um, there isn't, you know, I wouldn't call this – and I think a lot of t people, a lot of football fans are rooting for the Packers in this game because the Packers had the, the built-in storyline of Aaron Rodgers and uh, the more recognizable roster. And the, the Falcons, 
a little loose on the charisma. Not a lot of guys on the – this isn't the Dirty Birds of 98. Uh, in fact, after the game when I was kind of looking for some good sound bites uh, for what we could use, there was really nothing kind of saucy to me because these guys are kind of lunch pail guys, but their offense isn't lunch pail, Wes. I mean, do you think if they go and finish this thing out with another 30-point plus effort in the Super Bowl and win this thing? Are they going to be talked about in that historic way, like the Rams and, and uh, the, the Patriots of 2007, that level? Yeah, it's it. here's what I would compare it to. The best offense I may have ever seen is between the 2007 Patriots and the 1998 Vikings. And nobody really puts the 98 Vikings in that discussion because they got knocked off and they didn't finish the job. Well, for that matter, the 2007 Patriots didn't either. But this offense ranks with those, I think. And you're going you're gonna to stay in the discussion if you win the Super Bowl. It's funny because in that, that 98 season where the Falcons went on and, and got romped by John Elway's you know, final game, a Super Bowl win, that so many people wanted it to be Randall Cunningham and the Vikings versus that incredible Broncos offense. And we didn't get it. This is a completely different Falcons team, and I, you can't get out of here without talking about the way this game started, though. I think Green Bay, it, it's a frustrating game for Packers fans to look back on and review because after your first drive, Atlanta zooms down the field, as they always do with their opening touchdown. The Packers miss a field goal that they should not have. It's the first kicker to miss Mason Crosby in the entire playoffs. And then on the next drive... When you are driving again, and Aaron Ripkowski gets down to the 11, uh, the 11 yard line of the Falcons and fumbles the ball away, it felt to me that the game was over because you have to go punch for punch with the Falcons, and instead, Green Bay is giving away possessions. That was. I also I kind of I thought that was a, a little bit of a more questionable play than the Fox team uh, put it because they didn't really make any note of it. But this that was a play where the ball was knocked out. And then uh, it was recovered right around the one-yard line. And I thought uh, the momentum uh, – who, who had the recovery again? Jalen Collins, Collins had the recovery. The Looked like he might have rolled in. I thought it was either going to be at the one-yard line or the uh, or it'd be a safety. Instead, it got moved to the 20 with a touchback, and the Falcons went right down the right down the field to make it 17 nothing. game over. And, and you're right. I mean, the, you cannot – fall behind that many points to the Falcons because you can't make enough stops to catch up at that point. I mean, two, two drives later, they have a three and out, which was just uncharacteristic for what we've seen from Green Bay. And then Aaron Rodgers throws on a long third down pass, a pick. And it's, it's the, this is what you needed to do to Atlanta for any chance in the Georgia Dome, the final game there, to keep this thing close. I've been skeptical of the Falcons defense. And I do think that the Packers shot themselves in the foot several times today. But the Falcons deserve credit for putting heat on Aaron Rodgers, for coming up with big game-changing plays. And this team reminds me a lot of the Peyton Manning Colts, with Matt Ryan distributing so well, making smart decisions, being so accurate on offense. And then they, they count on playing with a big lead, unleashing some pass rush, and then coming up with big plays as you get desperate. And Connor really did touch on that very well in, in the recap of this game. He did, and I think when, you know, it, it, this stuff happens in games and it goes unnoticed, guys like offensive linemen who don't get a lot of attention. But when T.J. Lang was hurt and they continued to get banged up scenarios with their offensive linemen, I think it was a sack and seven hits on the quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, that Atlanta finished up with. That was the factor that when we review, when we went in to look at this game on Thursday, we thought it's going to be one of these 41 to 38. We were not expecting one of these defenses to lay a hurt on the quarterback the way they did on Aaron Rodgers. And it, it shouldn't be forgotten, and, and time probably will forget it now because the, the ride ended before the Super Bowl. But 
Aaron Rodgers went on a, a truly special run uh, in the last two and a half months of the season. And uh, I do want to pull up one bit of audio here because uh, Rodgers is very measured in what he says. He doesn't, he doesn't let anybody in really. Uh, we know the issues with his family and stuff. He's not an easy guy to figure out from our perspective, let alone people close to him. Uh, but when, when people asked about Jordy Nelson playing in this game, which was a wild thing that Jordy Nelson played in this game and had an impact as well, six for 67 and a touch, uh, this is how Aaron Rodgers responded. I'm so proud of Jordy. Um, I mean, it's incredible that he was out there. Aaron Rodgers getting choked up talking about Jordy Nelson. But you have Jordy Nelson there. You get Devontae Adams, who did not really have a big presence, although he did score a touchdown. Randall Cobb made some plays and still wasn't close to enough because the Falcons, you know, I, after they, they blew out their divisional round opponent, I said to myself, I can't pick against these guys. I got sucked into the romance of the Aaron Rodgers run. But now I'm thinking again, as well as the Patriots, and we'll talk about them played, how could you pick against the Falcons when they are peaking at this level right now? They're a total team. Yeah, but the Patriots haven't trailed in a game since week 12. I know, you're right. They have, since Brady came back, they have the best record, the best point differential, the best defense. Uh, They're a a well-balanced team. Is this it? Unstoppable force, immovable object? I don't think the Patriots' defense is an immovable object. I think Big Ben actually – we'll get into this later. Big Ben actually passed pretty well today. Well, I think at least for what has been a rough month for playoff football – if you enjoy close games, if you like kind of blase blowouts that are kind of over by this late second quarter, then you've had a great time. But uh, with the way it's played out, I mean, I do feel that we've gotten the two best teams right now going up against each other. And and in Green Bay, it wasn't oh, hit- You thought that today, too. Huh? We're either in for well, the best Super Bowl ever in terms of being overdue for a good game, or it's going to be Chargers 49ers. It easily could be. And I Atlanta has the power to maybe do that. I mean, except that they're going up against a coach that no one is better than Bill Belichick when you give him, and not, not just him, Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels and the rest. Well, yeah, I think you mentioned McDaniels, and there's so much we can't know about this matchup. But one thing we do know one thing I'm pretty sure of, these are the two best play callers in the NFL and Kyle Shanahan and Josh McDaniels. Yeah, and it, it makes you think about what happens with Atlanta beyond this year because Kyle Shanahan, by all accounts, is heading to San Francisco. So I wonder, you know, there's no such thing as needing more urgency when you make it to the Super Bowl. But the Falcons may never be this good again on offense when right. Shanahan leaves. So you better take advantage uh, of it now. Um, so Julio Jones... That toe thing, obviously, not a big deal. Nine for 180 uh, and two touchdowns on 12 targets. Uh, yeah, so everything everything clicking for the Falcons. And they're fun to watch. They're so they fun are. to watch. Did, I, you, I, yeah, they did are you hear the details on Julio Jones' toe? He's got three different foot injuries. Two basically. torn ligaments in his toe and a mid-foot sprain, according to Jay Glazer. He goes over 180 for the second time in a, in a conference championship game, the only player to ever do that. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. It, and I, I, I think really he gets two weeks now, by the way, to get healthy. Yeah. And if this is him with a, a, a messed up foot. But I think he once again reminded everyone, and it's a fun debate because there are a lot of talented guys, that he's the best in the league, I think. I, I think he is the best wide receiver in the league during a time when there's a lot of great wide receivers. Just incredibly dominant when he's on. And it, there was no way – in Green Bay's defense, I mean, I'm sorry, but I – I tweeted this five minutes into the game, and it only became more, I think, severe and real, is that it feels like every late January we're getting these, you know, Fox shots up to the booth of Dom Capers kind of 
you know, bemused, a little bit confused, what's happening down on the field, and he continues to keep to keep yeah, this role. I, you know what though, I, Wes, you, I think you made a good point. I think on Twitter also that that doesn't. I don't. I, Capers is Teflon Dom. I get that, but. <laughs> This is a, a special offense, and Dom Capers is every, the first one. Everyone's getting banged. Yeah, I mean, the Packers' defense did not play well today by any stretch of the imagination, but stop trying to discredit the Falcons. They do this to everyone. And Julio Jones, if you look at the two offenses I mentioned, the 98 Vikings, 2007 Patriots, what's the common denominator? Randy Moss not only beats you deep, he clears out so much space for guys like Wes Welker or Chris Carter to work with. Right. The Patriots are, or the Falcons are so dominant because Julio Jones clears out that space for Taylor Gabriel and Austin Hooper and Mohamed Sanu. He is such a big factor beyond what he does catching the ball. No doubt. I, I still look at Green Bay and say that there's some loyalty with the coaching staff there that it extends beyond this game against a great offense. It seems to be that Green Bay, you talk about we've been here since 2010, Dan. Yeah. That, that's when that first Super Bowl we were here, it, you thought that Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers would have another two or three by now potentially, and they have been incredibly frustrating in the playoffs. Well, I, you, Wes and Greg, not on this podcast, I think in the newsroom, they're a little, a little bit of scientist heat uh, because Greg, Greg made a, a comment, which I kind of agree with, that on some level – there is a, 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 a twinge of disappointment to this Packers uh, run with Aaron Rodgers because now another year has passed, and with the mighty Aaron Rodgers, they have just the one ring, and now they, another opportunity gets away from them. Uh, what I mean, what do you think they need? A little postmortem on them before we move on to the second game. What do the Packers need to do uh, to improve and get back to the stage that they haven't been well, now? Aaron Rodgers said that they needed to reload, I think was the word, that they probably, he, you know. Definitely push for them to sign Jared, re-sign Jared Cook. Mm-hmm. But it, when you look at that team, the two differences to me, primary differences, look at Atlanta's backfield versus Green Bay's backfield, which they didn't use at all today. They were a one-dimensional offense. And then if you look at their defense, Julius Peppers is going to be 37 years old. Clay Matthews used to be a defensive player. He was invisible this whole Used to be a run. defensive player of the year candidate. Who do they have now who's at that level? Nobody. And their cornerbacks got worked over – their cornerbacks gave career games to several quarterbacks down the str- down the stretch this year. I don't see the development on defense. It goes back to what we're talking about. I, I think on offense they find a way to do that because a guy like Aaron Rodgers also makes players around him better and things happen with Aaron Rodgers on the field that no other quarterback could duplicate. But their defense, it's I, look, at I get that they're not going to hold the Falcons to 14 points, but they gave them zero chance to win this game today, Mark, zero. Will you be covering the Falcons Super Bowl week? Uh, West will, I believe, is covering the Falcons, and I am covering the Patriots, I believe, for the eighth time in like nine years. <laughs> uh, Wes, I, my my task and my 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 dream is for you to cull something extraordinary out of Matt Ryan at one of these like press gatherings, something saucy, a nameth like guarantee, something that really shakes uh, the the foundation of the football world because like, whoa, Matt Ryan said that? Who got that out of him? Chris Wessling nailed oh, it. That'd be great. Get right on that after I squeeze blood out of a turnip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, as we said, the Packers go home. The Falcons go to their second Super Bowl. And unlike the first one where it just seemed like a total disaster uh, immediately and uh, with the, the Falcons squeezing by that historic uh, Vikings team in the NFC title game and then getting just wiped out by the Broncos uh, who went back-to-back that year and Eugene Robinson getting popped for hanging Ooh. out with ladies of the night right before the game where he picked up the 
the Man of the Year award. That was an ugly little story. In Cincinnati, we call that pulling a Stanley Wilson. Stanley Wilson, yes. Yeah. Pulling a Stanley Wilson. This Falcons team uh, is going to have a chance, but it's going to be a tough battle um, because we know who they're facing. But before we get to that team, it's time. And now, a real commercial for a real CBS procedural that millions of people watch every week. This Monday, the earth will quake, the ground will sink. If this sinkhole widens, the silo will fall in. And if the chemicals get into the sinkhole... A humanitarian disaster. Not good. Now, this team of geniuses <laughs> will have to sink or swim. I got one last big breath and I'm under, kid. I'll have you out of there in less than a minute. Trust me. Faster! New Scorpion. My favorite line is the not good. <laughs> I figured we've been doing this all season now. I haven't started watching it, and that one one of my my to, on my to do list for the off season is just sit down and binge watch all three seasons of Scorpion only on CBS. Yeah, why not? Yeah, ten p.m. Uh, nine Central time, uh, ten Eastern, of course. Here's a little synopsis, cur- courtesy of uh, Wikipedia. If, if you guys want to jump on board, maybe we could have some viewing parties together, get some popcorn, get under a blanket together. I don't know. Scorpion is said to be the last line of defense against complex. High-tech threats around the globe, drawing on a diverse set of skills and experience, the team tackles a variety of problems, many of which are extremely complex. Now, we know that from these commercials. (laughs) While they are frequently called into service by the Department of Homeland Security, they also accept work from private individuals and organizations, so they could be a shadow group as well. It's funny because after listening to, what, seven, eight of these so-called ads, previews, no sense of any character, no sense of anyone in the show that's sort of a standout individual. It just seems like a hodgepodge of people that are looking for uh, like a chaotic situation to dump themselves well, into. One thing I, that does stand out for me uh, is that Robert Patrick, who's best known as the T-1000 from Terminator 2, yeah, uh, he seems to be – he gets banged Oh, he's up. integral. He's the guy that got killed and they had to regenerate him. <laughs> and he's the guy in this new commercial that was like, all right, I'm taking one last breath. And then they sent him underwater in a grate that was locked for like a minute straight. He seems to get completely banged on the show. Patrick. Good old Bob Pat. Yeah, old Bob, Bob Pat. We'll let you take a look at the first couple episodes, if not seasons, and then report into us and see if it's worth, for us, you know, if, if it's worth getting on that couch together. Catherine McPhee's on the show. Little American Idol. I know, Mark, you, you're a McPhee fan, aren't you? I mean, I can pretend to be for the sake of this, but I, I really I could not pick her out of a... I don't want you to be playing a character like Wes does. Yeah, I'm not... I want you to be yourself. I've heard the name. I don't, I'm not, I don't have a beat on her. Here's no. where I go with that. Bid McPhee, Hall of Fame second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds, played in the 1880s before they had gloves. Okay. Not on the show. Not on the show. And with that, let's roll into coverage of Game 2 of Sunday. And I'm in the flanker, right, two receivers, left, Brady pulls away, give the Dion Lewis, he tosses Uh-oh. it back to Brady in a flanker, he had Mitchell open, he throws it, stuck for Hogan to the right, touchdown, Patriots, yes. two, two choices, and he finds Hogan for the second time. High fives for everybody. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the press box at the Super Bowl. That's Zolak again, who definitely doesn't do these games with a shirt on. Bob Sosi. <laughs> Scott Zolak, WBZ, uh, let's take a trip to the throne of ease. Why don't we, Sid? Tom Brady threw three touchdown passes, two to the immortal Chris Hogan, and the Patriots rolled to their seventh AFC championship in the Brady-Belichick era, a 36-17 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brady was on target all game, 
And uh, Hogan, you know, a useful minor player everywhere else in his NFL career, went off for nine catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns. In fact, that is the exact same stat line as Julio Jones. So in the world we now live in, the world that we operate in now as humans in society, Trump's America, Julio Jones equals Chris yeah, Hogan. <laughs> That's what's. That's where we are. I think if, if I've ever called for a good for you to the Patriots. Good for you! Mark. <laughs> yes. The Steelers lost Le'Veon Bell early in this game, but that is not the story here. The Pats were by far the superior team, and that's why they're going back to the Super Bowl yet again. 100%. I, you know, we, we watched what happened with Tom Brady last week where he was rattled a little bit against Houston, had some turnovers, and the question was, wait, is this a, you know, a look ahead to what will happen against a much, you know, just an equally good Pittsburgh defense in another way. And I think we all agreed, no, it's not what's going to happen. And it's not what happened at all. The Brady, the Brady led Patriots were utterly efficient. I do think losing Le'Veon Bell was obviously massive, but, but the Steelers came out wanting to throw the ball too. I I think that they, they were never in rhythm and it's such a taller task than, maybe to be perceived to go into New England, which is not a feared venue the way that some of these are, just to go in there and, and take take control of the game. It's so rare, and Pittsburgh was not up to the task on any level. This was an abs- I thought this game was as dominating a performance by the winner as, as the first game. As, as, as unimpressed as I was by New England's performance last week against the Texans, I was – Equally impressed with how they played in this game. And you're right. Sammy Coates lets that ball go through his hands in the first place. Right away. Kobe Hamilton drops a touchdown. Kobe Hamilton. I mean, uh, we've seen this a lot in the playoffs where teams that that on paper it looks like we should have a good game, they just don't execute. And then the team that has their crap together dominates. And that's what happened, Wes. The Pats played a, a complete game, and the Steelers made mistakes. I thought for three quarters Ben passed as well as Tom did. And he was hurt. They were hurt by Lev Bell's injury and Martavis Bryant's suspension because they were never able to get that second receiver while Malcolm Butler was doing a great job on Antonio Brown. Lev Bell's not there for – he's the best receiving back in in football with David Johnson right there. But they didn't – you know, those errors by Kobe Hamilton and Sammy Coates and then Jesse James not being able to get over the goal line on that one play. He also had a third down drop where Patrick Chung might have actually passed interfered with him. But I I just thought that the Patriots had too much. And then – Look at it the other way. Never should anyone pick the Steelers to beat the Patriots. Tom Brady is now 22-0, and touchdown-to-interception ratio, mm. with a passer rating mm. near 130 since Mike Tomlin became the Steelers' head coach. The best numbers he's had against any head coach in the NFL. Here's um, Robert Kraft, the Patriots' owner on the riser, uh, after the win. For, for a number of reasons, all of you in the stadium understand how big this win was. But we have to go to Houston and win one. I mean, from a factual standpoint alone, he is correct. Win one more, is that the new do your job? I just just let me know. I don't need to need the big story. I mean, it feels bland enough to be their new their new mantra. All right, and then uh, old Billy Belichick. Speaking of a charisma vacuum, he steps up to the riser next. Let's hear what he had to say about his seventh trip to the Super Bowl with the Patriots. It's got to be the players played hard. They played smart. We took care of the ball. 
play good defense, hold his team to nine points for 50 minutes. Pretty good. Electric. Um, all right. So, you know, Tom Brady. What can I say? I said he'd have a slight regression this season. Well. That blew it, all right? What do you want from me? <laughs> How many times do I have to say it that I got it wrong? It's not an easy day for Dan specifically because it's – I think it's a, you know it's, it's, it's something that you've dealt with week to week from September through January, but then it's also their high year to year? Year to year. It's been going on since Y2K. Uh, uh, Tom Brady had 10 incomplete passes. This is from uh, Nathan Junkie of uh, PFF. Three were dropped, two thrown away, one spiked. One spiked, and uh, I recall just one bad pass. I, I believe Hogan was the intended guy. Threw, he threw it behind, behind him. him yeah. It should have been a, like a twenty-yard gain. But other than that, he was absolutely uh, perfect in this game. And and again, Chris Hogan, he he plays Julio Jones great in this game. And uh, a little another nugget for you guys. This is from Artie Stapleton, good boy, like Artie of the record. Hogan had more yards tonight in the AFC title game than he had his entire collegiate career one year at Monmouth College in uh, in New Jersey, 147. So it just uh, he, he takes, and we talked about this. We were on this, and we're not geniuses, but we were on the Patriots' inevitable Super Bowl trip uh, this summer because it just all seemed to be really syncing up for them this year. And and Hogan, the pickup, we had fun with that, that, oh, the, obviously this guy right. was going to come in and immediately become uh, a big-time playmaker for him, for the for the Pats, and, and he is. And he he is. led the league in yards per catch, and he was a superstar today. And it's um, the one – I remember writing the post in May when they he was a restricted free agent, and they put a deal on the table that the Bills were not going to match – and the nugget coming out of some of the beat reporters was that Belichick, A, we know he's obsessed with former lacrosse players. That's, that's in there. But <laughs> I they, love those little Belichick well, nuggets. Well, he like loves that. lacrosse. Yeah. And, and secondly, that he found that Chris Hogan's football IQ was a rare find. And it fits that receiver position in New England. is not easy. And Hogan has not been a week-to-week 100-yard type guy, but he's had a couple big games, had 94 yards against Houston, and blew up today. Here, and turn your volume down to zero if you're a Bills fan right now because maybe you forgot about this. But on March 11th of 2016, the Bills declined to match that offer sheet to Chris Hogan. How much it would have cost them to do? $12 million total. You think he would have been a useful part in Buffalo? I'm not saying he would have been this good, but I think he sh- they should have held on to him and kept him away from the Pats. Well, cover your ears, Dan, because I'm about to lavish some some heaping praise on, on Belichick, who gets tons of credit for his strategic mind, but he's the best team builder in the NFL. It's not the best 53, it's the right 53. And he does that better than anyone. When he trades a guy like Jamie Collins, who won't agree to an under-market contract. He brings in a guy like Kyle Van Noy, who made a huge play today, and they've been a better defense with Van Noy than with Collins. He picks up Hogan. He signs Deion Lewis off the street. Nobody else wants LeGarrette Blunt. He picks up Eric Rowe for, for pennies on a dollar in a trade. These guys are all playing huge roles. I think if you look at this roster, the guys who are making big plays, nobody is above a third or fourth round pick. Everybody signed off the street for nothing or an afterthought free agent. And I, that's a testament to his ability to plug guys into the system. I have my, you know, I have my fun, obviously, with the Patriots, but I never questioned Belichick's greatness. And you're right. The fact that they're at, late in this game, they, you know, the uh, Nance and Sims are talking about how Logan Ryan was one of the rising stars at cornerback. We already know that they, they found a gem in Malcolm Butler. And you want, and I guess you can, you can be overly, um, 
critical of the Patriots and just try to have fun with it or try to have too much fun with it and say, oh, well, they have Brady and Belichick, and that's a big part of it. But they have all these pieces that they keep rolling in despite having low first-round picks or none at all. Well, Brady's the glue. It works because you have not only the greatest quarterback, but the greatest quarterback who takes a pay cut to stay there and sets the tone by holding everyone else to his standard. When a guy like that, I've heard Damashek in the newsroom go off and say, why why does Brady get to act like a jerk on the field? Because he's the leader. He, he's earned that. He's earned that through 17 years of getting in that building first, holding himself to a higher standard than everyone. So when he goes off on you, you're going to take it. He's more invested than you are. Tough day for Damashek, by the way. Huffman well, I feel. I mean, I could. You could. He he put out a bunch of tweets. I, you could tell he was not having a great. Well, he a great day. And he he spent the week. And this isn't piling on, Dave, but this is just part of the story of this game. Uh, you know, building this game up as a big legacy game for both Roethlisberger and Brady. And here's Brady now going to get another Super Bowl. And Big Ben's going to be fine. Big Ben's got two titles. Uh, he's going right. to have every passing record if he doesn't already have it in Pittsburgh history. And he's a no doubt Hall of Famer. But if there was ever any question about where Brady and, and Roethlisberger rank in the hierarchy of all-time quarterbacks, oh, another reminder that Brady is just on another level. Yeah, and Big Ben, look what he's going to have next year. Hopefully has Martavis Bryant back. You bring back every other skill position player. Maybe Ladarius Green comes back healthy. The offensive line, which was right there with Dallas's and Oakland's, is the best in the NFL. And then the young defense that got better throughout the course of the season. There's no reason to believe the Steelers aren't going to repeat as, as AFC Central champs or AFC North. Well, it's another it, – this is the same story for them year after year. They go out of the playoffs without Le'Veon Bell in the lineup and without, without them being at full power, that same thing happened again. I would say that it was a week ago that I was calling Keith Butler potential assistant coach of the year, and th- here's the problem. Their zone defense got eaten alive today. So you've yes, got to find a way to go and match up with Belichick and make adjustments to get out of a game like this in the future. Um, all right. You know, there is one more member of the Around the NFL podcast, uh, and his name is Greg Rosenthal. And uh, I said, is that NFL Network's <laughs> Greg Rosenthal? That guy slays me. Yes, NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal now joins us from Foxborough, Massachusetts. A happy Greg Rosenthal because his little boys are going back to the big dance. His little boys? How uh, derisive is that? This is my favorite. Uh, I want you to know, by the way, you haven't heard that I've been on my best behavior because the Patriots is, you know, why, why fight the obvious that this was a Patriots team, Greg, that played uh, uh, close to a complete game as they've done all season. And, you know, they earned everything they got today. How about me? You, you are the hero. It's funny. It's <laughs> like I, you know, we talked to Malcolm Butler, you know, Chris Hogan, all of these guys that I thought were the stars of the day, but actually it was Dan Hansen's <laughs> modesty, which really is what I'll remember. How about this? Listen in on this, Greg. This is Tom Brady, who was asked uh, on the podium after the game uh, if, if, after some weeks where they didn't quite put it all together, was this more the type of Patriots offense that he expects on a week-to-week basis? It was a good day. I mean, we're going to the Super Bowl, man. <laughs> you got to be happy now. Brady drops the brown word. That's how you know he's in a good mood, Greg. <laughs> I mean, he, he's enjoying it. He, he, he said it. There, there's no guarantee that they'll ever be here again. There's no guarantee you ever get to this spot. You know, your boy uh, Martellus Bennett was definitely 
soaking in the the surroundings, running around the field, dancing with the cheerleaders. I I just I think it's great that we get to spend another couple of weeks with the Bennett brother. I know that's what you're excited about. <laughs> I I like Martellus. I've actually interviewed him at past Super Bowls. Uh, he he uh, I believe lives in Hawaii and and plays. Uh, he plays one of those little guitars called the ukulele. Ukulele. Um, so he's going to be a star of Super Bowl week. Uh, but otherwise, you know, the Patriots, Greg, more than any other team, uh, know the drill of Super Bowl week. And I, between, geez, now that I think about it, between the Patriots who are, oh, and what is this, Greg? What is this thing? One more time? What is that? Is that your thing? I don't know. I don't know. There was like reporters even asking players about the, that that that. Slogan. I guess that was some like marketing slogan, but uh, Let, let's hear it, from Robert Kraft one more time. For for a number of reasons, all of you in the stadium understand how big this win was. Listen up, Greg. This is your know. army. I know. But we have to go to Houston and win one. Is that your new thing, Greg? It's, look, don't try to pin this on me. It was like one more game. I guess that was their, their slogan all year, one more game. I that's, don't know. That's who, who almost really as cares? lame as blunt force trauma. <laughs> all right, so right. you're you know, in the, let's, let's go back to the game, enjoy Greg. Enjoy the seventh AFC championship. You should, year. and I'm, I'm really happy for you. I'm really happy for you. But in the ro- locker room, you mentioned it uh, a little bit by touching on Bennett was the only guy really jazzed up. Robert Klemko of Monday Morning Quarterback said that it was a very subdued Patriots locker room. I assume you got down there? Yeah, I mean, he's right. The, the half of them are just speaking in cliches. You know, Julian Edelman, like, you know, I asked him about, like, the hurry-up offense for instance, that they kind of broke out a little more today uh, to beat the Patriots. And, and he, he had the ultimate Patriots saying, which is just like, you know, I, I'm, you know, Josh, Josh McDaniels is, is the one leading the herd. I'm, I'm just part of the cattle. One more game, man. One more game. And that that is the that is the Patriots. They weren't they weren't getting too crazy after the game, but it's also well after that celebration on the field. They they hold the locker room, they keep the media out, and then by the time the media gets in there, it's kind of, you know, they just want to get out of there and and do their business. What are some other takeaways uh, you had from the game, Greg? Being there in person. you know, I will remember the Scott Zolak being up on the scoreboard with the Zolak. sign that says, you know, the poorly written sign that said, uh, where is Roger, but didn't have a question mark on it. I mean, the crowd probably <laughs> went crazier for, for that uh, than any other moment of the entire crowd. I mean, you guys probably heard that they were still singing the Bon Jovi lyrics during oh, yeah. a kickoff. I mean, that was... That was, uh, I have a question about that. that. Was memorable. The crowd was rocking. You know, the Foxborough crowd gets a lot of grief, but when, when they're up early. Mitten clappers. Is this still special to Patriots fans? I mean, it's, I, you know, I am in with you a bit during the game. You sounded like people were there were acting like it was one of the first playoff victories. They were genuinely into it. Yeah, I think that, you know, you forget maybe, I, I shouldn't, but the fact that Robert Kraft alluded to it, the, the fact that this is the first, you know, that the season started with the Flake Gate, that this is the first Super Bowl trip um, since he's been suspended and everything. That resonates. Like, the fans were, all, I think, all about that. They just want to hmm. ask the NFL. I mean, the, the, the chants of Roger and everything like that were just were, were kind of crazy. And I think, that's, I think that's what makes it a little different. And, and I think people finally realize you can't count on Tom Brady doing this forever, that 
that you would think this has got to be one of the last, the last, if not the last chance. Uh, uh, I don't know get. about that. That's my oh, theory. Come on. That's not going so well. No. Um, Brady's just halfway through his career. Uh, shut up, Willis. <laughs> uh, but, by the way, uh, yeah, Brady said after the game he did not hear the Where is Roger chant. Uh, that's what his claim was anyway. Yeah, but he right. did hear There's the no way. I know. He did hear the Bon Jovi chant. And I, I'm just curious, again, you being, you know, the spokesman for that region and you're back in your hometown uh, or home state uh, today. Uh, when did you co-opt Bon Jovi? I thought that was a Jersey thing. Well, he's been friends with what? Belichick forever. Uh, but co-opting Jovi, though, that, that's an iconic New Jersey song, I thought. You know, it's it's uh, it's a song that let's face it, popular with a lot of middle-aged whites everywhere. I mean, the... Uh, the Beloved by middle-aged whites. <laughs> the Steelers were using it. I watched their pep rally on Friday. I was at work. They did a pep rally, and that was their theme song and their pep rally. So we, we got to get some new songs. Guys, that that on, song guys. literally came out 31 years ago. It's got to be something else out there. There's nothing about the Belichick-Brady-Patriots that's living on a prayer. Well, that's right. That's a fair it point. Makes, it fair. really made no sense. I mean, that was the thing. I think that was the thing that struck me in person, like how much of a better plan that they had. You said it, Mark, in terms of the Steelers not like adjusting out of that zone defense. But in the end, like the Patriots were doing a lot of the same things defensively that the Steelers were doing, kind of dropping eight in coverage. It just it just worked better for them. And when they the Steelers, I think, really tried to stop the running game early, and the Patriots just were like, okay, fine, we're not going to even bother to try to run the ball at all we're just gonna play like four or five wide and, and don't get you think in the work don't you think they do that better than anyone over the last 10 years if you take away something they don't bother with all right we're gonna try to run the ball it's okay we'll just shred you with our passing game right exactly i i think they adjust on the fly like people talk about halftime adjustments like they're making adjustments very quick in that game i think they saw what the steelers were doing instead of dropping people out uh, into coverage, and it was like it was easy pickings. It was it was too much. I think they were really confusing the Steelers secondary with the route combinations and everything. It was amazing. Like it just seemed so easy on that for them on third and six, third and seven to find find the receiver open. I don't want to um, understate, however, Le'Veon Bell's injury and all this. He goes out with a groin injury. I believe it was the first quarter. Uh, six carries or twenty yards. He tries to come back in for one play and then goes back on it. You see that. That shot you see uh, when a player tries to go back in and you see the look on his face that he knows he's done, and sure enough, uh, he, he had the jacket on the rest of the way. D'Angelo Williams, who's a fine backup and had a little bit of juice in his legs on their first possession or first touchdown drive, but he couldn't do much after that. You, you have to. There is a bit of a what-if with this, and I know the Steelers had a terrible day on defense. A, a, a what-if of would the Steelers have been able to make a run and put some points on the board if Le'Veon Bell was healthy? And by the way, this is becoming a familiar uh, refrain year. for Steelers fans. What if we had Lev Bell healthy in our playoff loss? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, the game was a lot closer in the first half than the, than the score indicated. They were both moving the ball up and down the field. The, the Patriots were just kind of better in this each situation. Like the, I thought the goal line stand at the end of the first half was massive and just does every little part of that game, but that's kind of that's kind of the Patriots' mo. They don't like kill you in terms of yardage, but then you look up at the score, uh, and it, and it's out of control. They they had a, an interesting game plan where it seemed like they had like five guys on the line of scrimmage uh, at all times, only one linebacker behind them, and they were double and triple teaming uh, Antonio Brown. The people people say, okay, they did the same thing with Butler and Brown. I mean, they basically had McCourt. They had their best two defensive backs on Brown for most of the night because it was mostly McCourty 
and Butler. And I remember one one sequence when they were trying to score on the goal line. They had three guys on Brown. So they were just like begging Kobe Hamilton and one of those other guys to step up, and, and they couldn't. A very quiet 7 for 77 for Antonio Brown. Well, and it's it, it becomes very tiresome. It's just because there's so many different media voices and outlets saying it. This week, hearing about Bill Belichick taking away the best player, but he actually did exact he did exactly that. He got help with one of the other best player being injured. But when I don't know how much of, of this of the Falcons game you got to see, but you know who the Falcons are, and you've now lived through and you've seen a bunch of different Patriots Super Bowl matchups. Where do the Falcons in the way the way they stand today after r- r- rifling off the Green Bay Packers? Where do they stand for you in terms of P level? Uh, with all the Super Bowl matchups you dealt with, this one seems mm. different to me. And let me, before you answer, let me make it clear what the P level represents. Uh, one, underpants, flawless. Your, your jeans, no worries at all. Uh, you're in a great zone here. You got to use the bathroom. You're going to find a bathroom all set. Ten, your pants are soaked. Your underwear, not redeemable. They got to go in the trash can. You're done. Where are you at? It's pretty high. It's you know I haven't had it above three all year. I would say it'd be a seven. Hey, uh, said seven let's right pick up now. some uh, adult-sized diapers. Best. Go ahead. Sure. Not sure that's part of my job description, but I'll okay. do what I can. <laughs> okay, do your best. We're gonna get we're gonna get you some diapers, Greg, for Super Bowl week. Uh, I think we're gonna need it because you know you said rank them you know compared to the other Super Bowls. Well, it's it's easily the best offense that they've played since. You know, the first Super Bowl, which the P level wasn't even that high because you just assumed that the Rams were going to run up and down. I mean, this is one of the best offenses since then. And I think it's exactly the type of offense and team that can just go up and down the field on them. I mean, Roethlisberger played pretty well today. And I, I don't know how they come up with answers for Atlanta. I think it's just coming up, you know, it's, you know we'll get into it, but it's going to com- be coming up with a few plays and it's going to. Have a, be having a perfect game on offense, which which they're capable of doing. Are we assuming the Patriots are going to be slight favorites in this game? The desert they are. people say so, I, which I, which shocks me. I don't. That's, I don't that think surprises that way, me. That, really? I think the public, by the, the way, I think that that you know, I know we don't get into that, but I, I suspect they will become less of a, a favorite as uh, as we get closer. But yeah, they opened up as as favorites. Oh, That's weird easy, to me. Watching the Atlanta team, how can anyone be? I, I'm with you, Greg. Uh, hold on, hold I, I'm on. with you. They didn't play a defense today, the Falcons. Sure. And Seattle is terrible outside of Seattle. So who have the Falcons been tested by severely? I don't, I don't know. I don't think the Patriots have been tested either, but the Patriots have been the best team since Brady came back, so that doesn't surprise me that they'd be favored. All right. Greg, you're going to have a chance to uh, you know reconnect with any past flames before you get on a plane to come back west? I got to write, baby. I haven't even started writing up this uh, this dandy. Uh, no, my flight's in literally in like eight or in like nine hours. All right, well, get to work. You're a true professional, and uh, you could read Greg's column when it does land at some point in the middle of the night uh, at NFL.com slash Rosenthal. Yes, he is NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. I say, is that NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal? But he's nice enough to always make time for us. Thanks, bud. Oh, please. <laughs> that guy says, unbelievable thing to see. <laughs> All right, there you go. So the uh, Patriots and Falcons will square off on February 5th, two weeks from tonight. And um, I think we're all excited for that game. 
uh, and hashtag blessed to be there to cover. Mark throws his hands up. Not excited. No, I'm very excited. What was that? Saying, of course. I mean, it goes without saying. <laughs> no, I, th- I, the, I, the Falcons, I honestly, I'll say this. I'm kind of like, I think the, the, the Packers are like the hot girl in school and like every guy likes her. And I'm like, no, I, I'll, I want something different. And so the Falcons, to me, were what I wanted, something different, a different type of team. And I think that they make this, they put a little bit of an intriguing stamp on this. I'm done with Aaron Rodgers. Go home. Okay. There you go. You finally got your wish. It took longer than you thought. It, took, it always takes longer. But Aaron Rodgers took your precious uh, dirt nap. Um, <laughs> all right. Before we go, a couple things. I don't wish a mill. Um, <laughs> glad that you got that in. <laughs> well, I don't. A, a special don't. thank you to Derek Hackett, uh, who is the public information officer for the city of Minot. Oh, wow. Uh, he sent us a just a massive care package, um, th- a box filled with shirts, frisbees, koozies, pens, lanyards, Dots Homestyle Pretzels, which is a North Dakota um, classic, some city literature. And we have our new official mascot of the Around the NFL podcast because uh, Derek sent us Cooter, a beaver, uh, that uh, sits right now, is perched right at the nexus of all of our cubicles. Yeah, and we're going to have to, I mean, unless we're absolute jerks, we would box up a big portion of this and send it on to Connor Orr because without Connor Orr, there is no relationship with this city. Yeah, of course. The you know. city of Minot is uh, the home of Minot State University, which potentially, or or actually not potentially, in reality, in Connor Orr's very unique reality, <laughs> is the new head coach of the Minot State uh, football team. Uh, go check out uh, our podcast from a couple weeks ago. If that doesn't make <laughs> yeah. any sense because it sounds like a fever dream. But thank you, Derek, for that. And uh, with that, um, gentlemen, we, we're going to take our Oban scotch. Uh, but we're going to make our now annual pilgrimage after the final Sunday night show uh, of the season from the studio. We're going to head over to the Cozy, have a couple drinks, reminisce. Do they let this in? Do they let this kind of bottle of, of good stuff in there? Or do we have to? I don't know. We're going to put it, it under your jacket. Okay. Like you've never snuck whiskey into a bar before. No comment. That's it. Sid, you're welcome to join. I know you don't like going to the watering holes like we do. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can hang. <laughs> That's that's why we call our new money. Uh, all right. That's it. Uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off. Congratulations to the Falcons and the Patriots. Good job, guys. Dan Hansa signing off for the quiet storm, the mailman, uh, the boss, and uh, new money behind the glass. Till Tuesday. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Whether it's your first time betting 
or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.